Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Drive and Dish Podcast. There's the Drive and Dish. Quick, quick. Welcome to your Kodak moment, my friend. To start it off, it's Kevin Rafuse and Justin Kuzart. Let's go. Two, one, two, one, two, mic check. The internet stays undefeated yet again. <laughs> they have outed someone else for having a burner account. You know, okay, Kevin Durant style. This player, though, well, not even a player, this person. I don't know why you need to create a, uh, a burner account to do what you were doing, but either way, she did. The singer Halsey, do you know who she is? Yeah, of course. Okay, Halsey has a burner account that just tweets about <laughs> not, the NBA. I'm not that washed, Justin, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, she has, a, um, she has a burner account just to tweet pretty much about the NBA. Uh, that's it? She just talks about hoops? Pretty much, yeah. And, and I guess, I don't know who it was that figured it out, but they kind of put two and two together. And then once they talked about it, Twitter verified her, her burner account. So like everyone's wow, like Twitter snitching, huh? Mm-hmm. So then it's like, oh, it is real, and she goes by. I think she changed the name, but now she goes by Halsey and One. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. This is way more pure than I thought it was going to be. Like, whenever somebody brings up a burner account, I'm waiting to find out what bad things are going to happen. It was because yep. it's like, you know, who was KD arguing with, or which players was Brian Colangelo talking trash about? Where it's like, oh, oh, she's got a burner. Just tweet about the NBA. That's that's amazing. When you think about it. The people that follow Halsey probably don't necessarily care about the NBA as much or don't want to see her talking about it as much as she does, I guess. Yeah, so it's her Twitter account. They're going to get these tweets whether they like them or not. <laughs> right. If you're a fan of me, then you're a fan of what I want to talk about, and I want to talk about the NBA. That's what I'm saying. They got to accept you for who you are at all times. But no, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's a lie. Anytime burner comes up, it's usually I'm just generally assuming that it's not good. And so yeah. the fact that this is is nice and is a good thing. No, Twitter, that, I'm surprised Twitter verified her burner account, though. That almost makes me think there's a little bit of marketing behind it. But whatever. Either right. way, um, that's cool. She, I mean, there. I feel like I've seen pictures of her. I mean. I guess it's a bad example because sitting courtside at a Lakers game isn't just necessarily about hoops, let's be honest, like especially out in Hollywood and L.A. like that. But I feel like she's been courtside at a couple games. So, Yeah, I think she has too. Um, I, she, she's she been posting a lot recently, but obviously there's no basketball stuff from her 
right now because of the yeah. coronavirus. Nobody's courtside, really. Yeah, remember, I would say, remember when seeing courtside is a thing. I mean, I guess some families being allowed into the bubble now. So, but even then, you know, it's a it's a long way from courtside. How did you feel about? Um, was it um, Westbrook and Rondo's brother? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Westbrook and Juan. I it, like. I just don't get it. Um, I don't get why Russ is, especially because they were losing and just losing so badly. It's like, well, Russ, why are you arguing with Rondo's brother? Like, really, you're going to draw? I mean, it'd be the same thing as like if they were drawn with any dude in the stands like that. So, yeah. Um, but I think he might have been doing it because they were down by so much. You know, frustration builds up and then someone says something, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that was clear and apparent, but I mean, I just still doesn't. That doesn't change the fact that it kind of looks a certain way. Like, I'm not yeah. going to – I don't know. Like, it, they were getting their rear ends handed to them. So, it, I don't really want to see Russ talking smack to anybody. Like, you guys are getting smoked right now. And, and Russell Westbrook was a big part of that. So, um, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the Rockets a little bit more in depth. But uh, that Russell Westbrook contract, like, it's funny because as it's progressed, you know, and as the rounds go, you get the immediate reactions – and my immediate reaction is when the Sixers got swept is, oh, my God, the Sixers have the two worst contracts in the NBA with Tobias Harris and with Al Horford. And now I'm just like, oh, no, that Russ contract is way worse. It's not even close. Like, Russell Westbrook is going to be due $44 million in two years. What? Like, oh, that for, for that kind of production as he ages even more? Oh, I mean, and it's just that it, it's the problem with – that just with that style of player is that unfortunately it just doesn't age very well. Like guys who are, are supremely athletic in their peak can do just flat out things on basketball courts. Like when Russ was at his peak, he could fly around the court the way that no one else could. Um, you know, that was part of his hustle, his athleticism. Like that was such a big part of his billing and likability. It's just the reality. Like he's never been a good shooter. Like, I mean, I'm going to look it up here in a second, but I, I don't think Russell Westbrook's ever shot better than like 38% for a season from behind the arc. Mm. Now you're at the point where that athleticism starts to fade in. Of course, injuries have sapped it a little bit too. And Russ is coming off injury going into, going into the bubble and returning here uh, before they got eliminated. But, you know, it just doesn't age gracefully the way – you know, the, the way Chris Paul does, the way that I think Steph Curry, for example, is going to age, the way I think Kawhi even could age, even though I know we're going to get into a whole lot about Kawhi in this episode. But, um, you know, guys that can shoot, LeBron's had to really, you know, that's part of what makes LeBron so great is that he was able to adapt his game to shoot a lot better as his athleticism has started to go and because he's another worldly passer. But, I mean, it, it's just, it gets the best of them. I mean, and, uh, the Dwayne Wade is the other person I think recently that that came to mind with where, you know, just once the athleticism went, it just starts to, you know, you just lose it a little bit. Once the flash is gone. Um, see what I did there? Because you brought up the heat, and I maybe you had this as your balling and falling, but I realized it wasn't um, on my list of things that I thought we would definitely be hitting today at some point. Um, how do you feel about, Mike D'Antoni saying he's just going to, you know, not come back. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised given the way that the season ended. And I mean, it was already kind of written on the wall that Mike D'Antoni was leaving before the season ended. And then he said, you know, he didn't even have contact with, with Tillman Fertitta, mm -hmm. um, the Rockets owner. And so because of that, you know, it's just, I mean, he was already being linked to Indy before the season even ended, before the Rockets were eliminated. Unless he, it felt like even if they won a title this year, 
that Mike D'Antoni still probably was leaving. And, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I, I blame, you know, do I think D'Antoni has his coaching flaws? Sure. Do I think he went all in on the super small ball and that kind of got exposed against the Lakers when they, they just had nothing to stop Anthony Davis as hard and as admirably as P.J. Tucker tried? Like, yeah, that absolutely was there. I also just don't blame D'Antoni for some of the things that have happened. I mean, at some point you have to start to blame the players as well. Like, you know, I, I've been a pretty big James Harden defender on this podcast, but how many times am I going to watch this movie now? And, you know, give him credit for making that block against OKC in Game 7, but he was horrible in that game prior to that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, you know, the regular season 50-point games are great, but it, it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like that style just isn't sustainable in the playoffs. Like, you need just a little bit more than just bombing three-pointers and taking layups. Because eventually, when teams really swarm the perimeter and you can't get clean looks, like, when you're just throwing up brick after brick and you can't adjust, like, it does, you know, it brings question marks to D'Antoni's style. So um, I do think it's just a good mutual breakup for both of them. Um, I think just D'Antoni had kind of, I think he lost the locker room. And, you know, regardless, that doesn't always mean you're a bad coach. It just means it's time to move on. It's the way I feel about Brett Brown in Philly. Like, I just think Brett lost the locker room. I don't think Brett's necessarily a bad coach. It's just, you know, it, the writing was there on the wall. I'm interested if he could, you know, India, among other teams, I'm sure D'Antoni will get plenty of looks, especially if he still wants to coach. Mm -hmm. um, India is interesting just because they have two big men. And obviously, D'Antoni is a, a notorious small ball guy. And, and you've got a team that's, you know, two of their three best players are Miles Turner and DeMontis Bonus. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting to me there to, to see. You know, I, I would really wonder how he his system would work with that. But, I mean, Mike D'Antoni will more than likely get a job if he wants to continue to coach next year. Um, and I think he's earned that right after Houston. I don't, I don't blame Mike D'Antoni solely for everything going wrong in Houston. I think there are a lot of things. Well, and I wonder if it was just like too many attempts at the same thing, you know, like it, it, yeah. it, it, it felt like this year they could do it mainly because the big three, you know, like there wasn't like a big three team to worry about. Um, everyone was going with this duo lineup, you know, duo star lineup kind of deal. And so I thought maybe this year would be a little bit different. But now at this point, yeah, I, I mean, if they were to come out and say they're trying to run it up again, it's like one of those, okay, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You know, at this point, you're on fool me four times in a row, man. Like, come on. Yeah, well, it just feels like they, like, it feels like they started to get desperate. And that's where it kind of can create long-term, you know, issues. And that's kind of where I think they're at now is, I mean, to me, that Chris Paul move, for Russell Westbrook was a desperation move. And now, yeah. you know, look at what Chris Paul did in OKC this year. Look at the value he still has, even if OKC decides to move on. I mean, nobody's blinking at having to pay him $42 million or whatever that is next year. Um, and on top of that, you send two first-round picks over with that. I mean, you know, he's not my ball in this week. Um, I really did consider it. But, like, Sam Presti, you want to talk about somebody who's just loving life right now? You got the Clippers bounced in the second round, and you got all those picks and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a genuinely useful player with star potential. And then on top of that, you still have Chris Paul and two extra first-rounders from Houston. Like, you know, I know he gets a lot of slander for how it all went down with KD and Russ and Harden, and he should get it for some of that. But, you know, you, you just can't deny it. The Thunder set up pretty well right now. I mean... You know, we'll tell you about having assets. You have to land the plane, and it's not just, you know, it's a little harder said than done, but um, at the Definitely. same token, like, they are just set up so, so well. 
Um, and it is. I feel like Houston is in a little – I mean, Houston's in a little bit of trouble right now. Um, you know, they remind me it, – it's funny. And we'll talk about the Clippers and Milwaukee way more later on. Um, but it just feels like each round, or at least in the bubble, there have been way more teams that have just failed spectacularly and who have, for better or for worse, had some sort of expectation – and have just totally blew it. And now you have real, like, long-term questions about the team going forward. Um, you know, first it was the Sixers. Then I think Houston, who, you know, we just finished talking about. And then you add to the mix Milwaukee and the Clippers. I mean, all four of those teams is an absolute, pretty much nightmare the way their season ended. Um, and, and now all have real question marks going forward. And so, that's, you know, it's the bubble is crazy. God bless the bubble. I guess that's really what it all comes down to. I wonder how much it does come down to the bumble bubble being the reason that, you know, this this there's so many upsets. You know, I mean, I wonder if this were a normal playoffs, obviously it wouldn't even be happening right around now, but you know, if it were a normal playoffs, would we have seen maybe this many upsets or this many three one comebacks or really any of it, you know? No, and that's totally fair, given the you know, given the travel, given the just home court advantage, and all these other things. I mean, it's hard to win to come back from three one if you have to win two games on the road mm-hmm. relative to where you're in the bubble, and you just don't have that sense of pressure on you. I think the other thing that, at least with this, is it's just the teams that have actual chemistry and seem to like each other and get along are doing trust well. each I mean, other too. At, yeah, I mean, look at the way you know Miami and Boston have played all season long. You know, there's that genuine. You see the joy that they play with with each other. They all know ro- their roles. They all get along. They all thrive together. The Lakers are the same way with that. Denver is the same way with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think we're you know we're kind of seeing that here in the finals. I, I thought with the Clippers, and again we'll get, we'll get into this a little more in depth. But you just thought that their talent would be enough to just get by because their first top two are so talented, and there is depth there, but. You know, I mean, it's it's worth noting. The chemistry is the biggest thing there, and it, it didn't seem like they had it. Welcome to the Driving Dish Every NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rayfuse. Joining me as always, my co-host, Justin Kuzart. At Patrick Beverly, I guess I should extend this Cancun invite since I haven't made arrangements yet. Same and CJ are so petty. <laughs> yeah, did you see, uh, you saw CJ's too? Oh, yeah. I mean, CJ stirred it up, and then Dame just... I, I was dying. I mean, I know that one was the Dame one. Um, but, oh, yeah, are you kidding me? Those two have been waiting for this. They're laughing so hard. Like, because that's the thing is it's like, you know, their whole... You know, what were they arguing about? Jumping around and trying to, to you know, get, cheat their way to it. And they just... It, it didn't work, apparently. This time around, they didn't get to the finals. And for the Blazers, you know, they, they are getting a good laugh at this right now. So, God love the genuine rivalry. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it'll be fun going forward, but man, oh man, that's got to hurt, you know, from Patrick Beverly's angle, man. You get home, lose, and you go to the hotel room or whatnot, you finally calm down, get your, you know, you're still upset, you're laying on the bed, and then you go on social media and you see a tweet from Dame like that. Yeah, it's the risk. It's the risk that comes with being an instigator, a guy who will, who will, you know, talk from the sidelines and, and play the way he does, and... And again, I love like I love Pat Bev. He's one of my favorite NBA players. Like I, I like a lot what he brings to the Clippers team, but it's also just unfortunately you do set yourself up for that if you lose. Like it's just a give and take. You can talk and talk and talk all you want if you're winning. When you lose, though, you of course are gonna get it more than you would from other players who don't talk as much. That's just that, you know, 
It, nobody talks about the quiet players who don't who when they lose. You know, nobody's slandering Victor Oladipo in Indiana. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with that. So um I just you know, I, I, I think I think we like it more than the players like it, you know, and then you wonder how much of a grudge this will be going into next season. Oh, the rivalry will still be there, and that's what's great. And it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's entertainment. I don't think these guys, like, want to fight each other off the court or anything like that. They were all in the bubble together. Like, this was the ultimate place for them. If they, you know, they literally could go to each other's hotel rooms and, and fight it out if they wanted to. It's not that serious. Mm-hmm. They're all millionaires. Like, you guys are going to get into fist fights when you're millionaires. They're, they're just having a fun time. Yeah, just a just a regular NBA bubble in a pandemic. Everything is completely normal and fine. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, good or bad. We'll read them on the podcast. Uh, if you're not an Apple user, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Spreaker, TuneIn, uh, Google Play Store, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find us. Yep, and check out the guys at lineups.com. Obviously, football, um, NFL officially back, um, and, and lots of stuff going on there, fantasy sports-wise, obviously. Uh, lineups does a good job of telling you what players uh, tiers they're in and how they should be NBA basketball football all all the sports you can check it out lineups.com and if you want to check out the podcast there that's where we're hosted you can also check out some other podcasts and they have a YouTube page at lineups.com on YouTube old man winter here if I had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted visit the Hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Got a comment on the show? Or do you want to be on the show? You can. Just give us a call on our Google Voice number and leave us a voicemail. 904-580-6295. We'll play your calls on the next episode. I couldn't remember, Kev. We, I know we talked about this before we started the episode, but I couldn't remember which side we wanted to start on. So I'm saying West. Yes. Okay, good. West side. So, Coming from the West side with love. Good. Um, you know, last night... As of recording this podcast, Nuggets officially beat the Clippers uh, 104 to 89. You would think it'd at least be a little bit closer than that. Yeah. Um, but regardless, Nuggets, um, the first team, oh, I hope I can remember this right, the first team in NBA history to have two 3 1 comebacks in the playoffs. 
Yeah, the Nuggets have won six elimination games already. They were in the conference finals. They won six elimination games. This team looked dead in the water against Utah two weeks ago and now just pulled off a massive upset against the Clippers. And I mean, look, my, my takes on this podcast about this series age like milk. I mean, Denver, I apologize. And I haven't beaten the drum that you guys are real contenders all year long. But I kind of abandoned ship. I'm not going to lie. I had it a little bit lower than the Clippers. And I mean, to just, again, to come back from 3-1, just again, plays to their chemistry um, mm-hmm. and to do it without Will Barton too. I think that's, you know, Gary Harris coming back has made such a massive impact on the defensive end, but they're arguably missing their best perimeter defender. Um, they just answered so many questions, in my opinion, like that we had after last year is could Denver take that next step? Is, is Jokic super, is play playable in the playoffs at the end of games? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can go to him and he can take over games. Is Jamal Murray that true second option max player? Oh, absolutely. He's been step for step with Jokic every bit of the way. Um, as, as much as it pains to say me, I'm pretty ready to call Nikola Jokic the best center in basketball. Um, you know, I know there's been that debate with him and Embiid, but I just don't really think it's a it's a question to me at this point. Like, I think Jokic is a certified top ten player. Like, again, this is an upset in my eyes, and we're going to talk a lot about the Clippers. But you know, put some respect on Denver. Yeah. Um, even on the uh, ESPN show, I said Denver was the the underdog team, the underrated team that nobody was really looking at because of their record. They were so close to like the top three, you know, uh, record in the league. But yeah, I mean, you, you you said it, Jokic. Even in last night's game, from a just statistical standpoint, I mean, he only had sixteen points. Missed four of his threes, like didn't make a three. So, like you know, when you look at it that way, you're like, oh, maybe you know he can't do this, he can't do that. Dude came through and got you know 13 assists, 22 rebounds, uh, three blocks. Like he just stepped it up when he had to. And and to your chemistry comment that we were talking about early on, I think that's a big reason these guys are doing so well is they trust each other, they believe in each other. I think uh, Jokic came out said in him and Murray's. Um, relationship is essentially like um, like a, a couple. They're like a couple, is I think how he how he described it. And and you knew they had that extra motivation because nobody was trusting them or believing in them. I think Jamal Murray called out like Shaq, Stephen A. Smith. Like he just calls out all these guys, you know, in the post game interview, being like, "Yo, put some damn respect on our name," you know? Yeah, I mean, and and they should they should feel that way. I mean, they've been. I mean, no one is really took them seriously to beat the Clippers, including me and including a lot of other people. Um, you know, I've, I've liked what Denver's done all year, but, you know, just g- given the way it was and, g- you know, given the way, again, they looked against Utah where it just felt, again, they were so close to losing. To come out here in the second round and beat the Clippers and be in the conference finals now, it just didn't look like they had that in them. And they, they clearly have, um, you know, obviously – not great last night, but uh, what Michael Porter Jr. has done and been able to give them coming off the bench. Um, Jeremy Grant's been excellent defensively. Uh, you know, 14 points from him as well last night. You know, they just play well together. They got contributions. They got good minutes out of Paul Millsap, even if he wasn't, you know, putting it in on on the um, offensive end. He only had six points. He still was a plus 19. Like, they just were getting it done, especially in the fourth quarter, though. And, and that, to me, is just the most shocking thing. You know, this was still relatively close. Denver had a better third quarter. I think they were up eight at the end of three. But just the way that the Clippers completely fell apart. And, I mean, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard didn't score in the fourth quarter. Uh, the first points they had were, I think, a Jermichael Green dunk. 
And it was like, I think there were only six minutes left in the game at that point. I mean, and he missed the dunk before that. Uh, they had like three or four bunnies layups that they just were missing. I mean, you know, this is a meltdown regardless because of the expectations that were there for the Clippers season. I mean, this was a championship robust squad, no way about it. Again, going back to what you paid to put this team together to bring Kawhi in and to bring Paul George in, because essentially you had the trade for both of them. I know Kawhi was a free agent, but, you know, I, I chalked that all up to the business of, of bringing them in. And this was a disaster. I mean, it, it's just, it was a spectacular fourth quarter meltdown. Mm-hmm. The most recent one I could think of is when the Rockets missed all those threes when it was, what, like 27 three-pointers in a row or something like that they missed where it's just like, how is this happening? Like, what is going on right now? Uh, but, I mean, yeah, Bert, and, and this is why you also don't want to get to game sevens. That's the other thing is when, you know, Kawhi and Paul George will get a lot of heat as they should for the way they played in game seven. I mean, Kawhi had 14 points. He was 6 of 22 from the field. Paul George had 10. He was 4 of 16 from the field. Um they didn't really play as bad in games five and six, though. But the supporting cast wasn't there. And, and th- this is what happens when you get to game sevens. Weird things can happen. And all of a sudden, when it is mm-hmm. an off night for Kawhi and Paul George, your season's over, just like that. Yeah, and and to your point with the... I mean, you go into halftime up two, and then you come out, and after halftime, you only score 18 in the third and 15 in the fourth. I mean... In a game seven, where's the urgency? Where's the just will to win? I mean, this totally switches. This is like the opposite narrative that we're having from Kawhi from last year. Last year, we were like, Kawhi is just willing the team to win. He's just putting them there. Right now, it looks the opposite. It looks like they just they just didn't care. They didn't want to. And, and to C.J. McCollum's joke, is like they were one of the teams that voted to not want to you know, play. Oh, and this is what happens when they didn't play together all season. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the lineups and them just between load management, between injuries, they just weren't the full roster that they were expected to be all season long. And I again, in, because this is such an unforeseen circumstance, be, you know, this is when chemistry and consistency matters. And I just don't think the Clippers had any of it going into this, going into the bubble. And I think it just finally cost them against a really good team. I'm not going to lie. I thought Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were just talented enough to will them through and get to the conference finals. And then I thought, yeah, maybe you worry about the Lakers then, and that's where that chemistry would pay off. But I just thought they were just flat out too talented. I thought that they could get rid of some of that and I guess avoid some of that and and have that not factor in. And that just we were just wrong on that front. Um, it did matter, and it mattered at the end of this game. And I mean, the most concerning thing to me is we're in that fourth quarter with the season on the line. Nikola Jokic didn't play the first six or so minutes of that quarter. He was sitting on the bench. Mike Malone just didn't put him in. He was letting him rest, and they still weren't getting anything done. I mean, these were just disjointed offensive possessions. You know, Kawhi Leonard take a jumper that just, it was way short where he took like four steps into traffic, and it was just like, you know, I'm picturing the play right now in my head. I mean, Paul George had a corner three that he shot off the side of the backboard, like, at just Dame, some point, it is. It's, it, it was a collapse. They just were in collapse mode. Dame responded to that one too, by the way. If you no, saw I bet that. he did. Someone asked him, they said, Dame, is this a good shot? And he said, looks good to me with his like hands up. Like It's like, oh, okay, dude. Man. Oh, it's man. Um, the Paul George narrative is interesting in the playoffs because I, I feel like 
the narrative of Paul George always being bad in the playoffs, I just don't agree with because when he was in Indy, he was taking those Miami Heat teams to seven games and they were the definitive yeah. underdog there. Like he was balling out of his mind. It is a little strange though, the last couple of years in OKC now, and, and especially this year. And, and, you know, Paul George afterwards is saying, well, we didn't play together that much. You know, we have all next year. We'll have the summer to gel. This isn't a championship year. But, like, their free agency is looming. That matters. Like, Kawhi and Paul George, this could be over just like that. You know, we thought Russ and Paul George were going to play together for how long until all of a sudden they didn't. Like, things change very quickly in the NBA. Like, that's the one thing here that we've learned. The Clippers paid a king's ransom, and now they're in trouble. Now, they're not in full panic mode, blow it up just yet. They'll have another chance at this. But, I mean, make no bones about it. For a franchise that now hasn't been to the conference finals in 50 years who had championship or bust expectations, to get bounced in the second round by a team you were up 3-1 against is an absolute disaster. And I would say something else we've learned uh, to your chemistry comment is when the season's not exactly how it normally is every single year because of the coronavirus – that's when chemistry can shine through even more than people give it credit for, right? Like, look at, um, it's a big thing that's talked about here in Jacksonville with the Jaguars, right? They got rid of everyone, all of their stars. There's not a big name other than a few here. I mean, everyone's going to know Minshew, but, you know, you get rid of your best running back. You Everyone thinks you're tanking for Trevor. Then you come out here and you, and you just ball out. And then in the post-game coverage, you're all just talking about it. It's like, yeah, chemistry's great. We all trust each other. We believe in each other. We want each other to succeed. And it's just like, it's chemistry, man. At the end of the day, chemistry is so much more important than I think people are letting on. And I think in a normal season, you can probably get by with talent alone. It'll still shine through without having the full chemistry there. But especially when it's a weird year like this, you don't have any, uh, in, in NFL side, you don't have any preseason games. In NBA side, you have to play in a bubble. That's when the chemistry is really going to shine through. Yeah, thousand percent. It matters. Uh, so previewing now the conference finals, uh, we talked about Houston in the warm-up jumpers earlier. Uh, so let's get right to the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, handled their business against Houston, especially in the last few games. Just, I mean, games four and five, they really, really just put it on them and put this series away. Um, so we won't get the battle of L.A. Uh, instead, we have Denver versus the Lakers. And I, I feel ridiculous because I've just done how many apologies to Denver on this podcast. You're going to do it and again. I said that they're real contenders, but I am. I'm going to do it again. I think the Lakers are going to win the series in five games, and I can't shake that fact. I, I want to say the Nuggets have all this speed now, and they're coming in hot, and and I was worried about their energy coming out of the last 3-1 comeback thinking that maybe they wouldn't be able to do it because you know they're just exhausted now going up against a team that's rested but I'm done doing that I think I think this is gonna be a lot closer than we we think it's gonna be I think it's another one of the we're gonna see the Nuggets adjust um I am interested to see how the matchup with Anthony Davis goes and how that'll be because now they're you know it's it's almost opposite opposite in a way really like it was a smaller team and now you're going up against a larger team. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And LeBron and Anthony Davis's dynamics different than Kawhi and Paul George's. So I want to see how the nuggets can get it done or how they can adjust to that. But I, I want to say it's going to go six or seven. Yeah. I mean, I realistically, I can see it going six. 
Um, don't let Denver get up three, or don't let the Lakers get up three one. Apparently, yeah. uh, then in that case, I may be totally changing my mind here. Uh, it's all about the Lakers supporting cast to me. That's that's the biggest thing, and and that's kind of the way it's been. Is are can they step up? Can they, we know Anthony Davis and LeBron James are great. We know they fit well together, and we know they are going to ha- take care of business. It's you know, can you get the night in night out contributions from Danny Green, from Contavious Caldwell Pope, from Marquise Morris, from Alex Caruso, who's been great defensively, from Kyle Kuzma, who's also been great defensively. Like if those guys are clicking, I think that the Lakers can handle this pretty quickly um, and definitively. Like I do think the Lakers are the better team, but again, it just comes back to the supporting cast. Where and you know Denver's supporting cast has stepped up. It's been a lot more of a balanced effort, even with Murray doing the bulk of the scoring well, at sometimes. But if the Lakers' supporting cast is hitting, I think they are a better team. But we've seen instances of these playoffs against Portland, against Houston in the first game where they weren't clicking. So, you know, I, I don't – you're right. I don't realistically think this is going to be some blowout. Like, I do think this is going to be a close series. Well, and I would say, you know, if we're looking for comparisons to the Clippers and Lakers, you know, depth is a is a similar situation in terms of both teams were – in a way, kind of gutted to bring in two stars, you know? Yeah. Though I think the like the Clippers, I feel like, had more depth than the Lakers. Yeah. Like, I trusted... To me, that was one of the reasons why I was higher on the Clippers than I was on the Lakers. Like, I picked the Clippers to win the whole title, and it was because of their depth. Um, where here with the Lakers, I think, you know, there's a lot more pressure on Kuzma and on, you know, guys like Markeith Morris and Danny Green. Like, they have to be hitting. If they're not hitting, it just may not be enough. But I also think, again, they just play more inspired than the Clippers do, too. Right. Well, LeBron's not going to let them not play inspired. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and I think if you're LeBron now, I mean, look at, I mean, ring four to you is, is in sight right now. I think given the four teams left, the Lakers probably on paper are the best team here. Now, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk by any means if they if they pull this thing off. I mean, whoever comes out of that Boston and Miami finals is going to be ready to go. Um, and obviously, Denver, we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and sleep on Denver anymore either after what they've done these first two rounds. But, you know, if, if you're asking me, pick one. You know, which would be the safest bet? I probably would be taking the Lakers at this point. Well, and so. if you're LeBron, you're looking at it like, okay, you're you're probably your biggest worry was going up against the Bucks and Giannis because Giannis is such a force. So if you're LeBron, you're looking at this like, yeah, I can do that. We can do this. Like this is not a huge um, feat for us to do it. Now we're not going up against no. the team that literally had the best record in the regular season. Now. That sounds like a huge slight on really Denver, um, uh, Boston, and Miami, but that's just how I would view it if I were him. LeBron's a historical guy. Like he knows, he really knows the NBA's history. He knows where his stats lie and how he compares to. Like I think we've seen that a billion times. You know, I, he knows what a, a a fourth ring, but to then just have done it now on a third franchise would mean to his legacy. I mean, at, mm-hmm. at that point, having you know one in Cleveland, one winning one in L.A., and I also think he just LeBron realistically knows. I mean, obviously more than anybody, how much he actually has left in the tank. You know, LeBron is one of those players that. I'll believe he's not good when he just stops being good. Like, I have to see with my own eyes. But I think LeBron is very aware that he is up against father time a little bit at this point. You're just not always going to get a run at this. And this is a really good chance for him to bring the trophy back home. So, um, you know, especially in the Kobe year, you know, he wants to do that too. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. It is time. 
for, for who's balling and who's falling on the Drive and Dish podcast. First up for me this week in balling, I've got Nick Nurse, who has just signed a new contract extension, staying with the Raptors, uh, coach of the year, obviously, this year, uh, led the Raptors to the title last year. Uh, seems like a no-brainer all around. Uh, congratulations, though, to Nick Nurse, who I think goes without saying has done a pretty swell job there in Toronto. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's surprised by this kind of um, news, right? No, not remotely. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. So uh, my balling is going to be Woj putting this out last night for us. The NBA has locked in November 18th for the 2020 draft. Uh, the date had been kind of moving around a little bit. So that's kind of exciting. You know, obviously NBA working on next season and if that will look differently as well. Yeah. No, I mean, again, just getting these dates on the calendar is huge, though. I mean, like you said, with next season, I still think there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, after Christmas has been the general expectation for everybody. But, you know, whether it's January, whether it's maybe even early February, uh, I still think we're kind of no one really knows yet. Again, and this is all subject to change as well as the vaccine pops up. Um, though the NBA has been huge with rapid testing as well. I think that could be the next in-between step. But, you know, we're not here to talk about that. But, yes, excited for that. Uh, coming soon, you know, obviously the finals are, you know, we're in sight of the finals as well. So, you know, the draft will just be another sense of normalcy. And obviously for the prospects who have been waiting a long time for this now, who, you know, some of them probably thought they'd be getting ready to play their first NBA basketball at this point. Yeah, um, it, it's certainly a reward much deserved, uh, you know, for having to wait that long. All right. Falling for me this week. I have Doc Rivers. Got to go back to the Clippers real quick. Uh, Doc Rivers making some not great history. He is the first coach to ever blow a 3-1 series lead three times. Of course, he did it mm. this year. He did it in 2015 with the Clippers a couple of years ago. And he did it all the way back in 2003 uh, when he was coaching the Magic with T-Mac. They lost their 3-1 advantage to the Pistons in the first round. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, because that's no fun, man. I mean, do you... The 2015 one is still crazy, too. I mean, because they were way better than that Houston team that knocked them off in, in 2015. Yeah. And just, I mean, that game six, just that's an, another one of those where it does. I mean, I, that's who I feel the worst for. Like, it's kind of hilarious for joke's sake and given how the Clippers were this season, how it all ended. But for actual real Clippers fans, I do feel bad because it's like this season was supposed to be different. Um, you know, they got close a couple times with Lob City, but there's it's been a lot of garbage. I mean, let's not lie. Um, this is you know, it's a really, really tough ending. My fallen going out to uh, be a good transition for us to talk about the East as well is going to be Giannis Adetokounmpo. Um, I know I said that wrong, but whatever. Um, either way, right. huh? You said it right. Apparently, I'm not putting enough of a I forget. We were by me and a buddy at work were talking about it. I'm not putting enough enough emphasis on one of the uh, syllables. Apparently. Oh, what they want some more sauce on it? Yeah, I think so. They said it's. it's if I say they want more tzatziki sauce on it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Giannis has apparently unfollowed all of his teammates except for his brother on yeah. Instagram. Apparently, yeah, everybody except the family. Um, it's really only like family members and Nike, I think. He's only following nine people. Mm -hmm. I, I just, here we are already. Instagram detective season begins. Um, 
They're on the clock with Giannis, though. We know that. I think we knew that as soon as it ended this year that they're on the clock with Giannis. And, I mean, we already have it the other day where Giannis was meeting with Bucks ownership. They had a three-and-a-half-hour meeting. And basically, you know, the takeaway is that the Bucks ownership is going to spend into the luxury tax. We'll see. Um, because, I mean, the biggest example, obviously, where they had the chance to last year was when they had the chance to bring Malcolm Brogdon back, and they didn't. They let him walk to Indy. So, um, and, I mean, clearly, he's a guy that they probably could have used this year uh, against Miami. Uh, still a really, really good player. But, I mean, yeah, Milwaukee is, is going to have to spend if they want to try to, you know, keep Giannis around. The Giannis well, has pre- made it pretty clear. Like, I don't really know what much else Giannis can do at this point to indicate that he's like, yo, I'm winning, and you're on the clock. Well, and I would say with the Brogdon thing too, even if they they did pay him last year, like bringing him back would give you another asset that you could potentially trade for, you know, a second star. You know, if you want to go after like a, I don't know, like a Bradley Beal or someone that's on the market. You know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be people moving, so that would be helpful. Now I don't know what you do or how you try to trade bait some people and and see what you go. I'm sure they'll work on it, but it's it's one of those things where having Malcolm Brogdon in that situation would have helped a lot. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks are going to have to get creative. And I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we talk about spectacular just failures of an end of the season. And, and for Milwaukee, clearly this is one. Um, it ended up being a gentleman's sweep, not the full sweep. I mean, a, a full sweep just would have been absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want to talk about pretty much the worst ending that raises so many questions about what's going on. I mean, I think Chris Middleton shut a lot of people up towards the end of the series, which is good. Um, and I, I do think Chris Middleton is still a guy that they should want to keep around and that he's very important to play with Giannis. Um, the Giannis jump shot thing is real. Um, and I mm-hmm. do think he kind of he needs good perimeter creators around him. I mean, I still think there are ways to... Th- this whole notion that Giannis isn't a closer and that you can't play him in late games and that... You know, it's just, you know, he, he's only a Scotty Pippen type. Like, I think all that's stupid. Like, the guy still scores in the paint with the Willis Shaq. He's one of the better defensive players in the league. I just, yeah, I think you need good perimeter creation around him, and I think they need a little more than Chris Middleton. Um, you know, they, they're talking about you know, potentially trading Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, but I just don't know. They're going to have to get creative. Like, I don't know what exactly type of haul that brings. Um but they're going to have to find ways to boost the supporting cast. I mean, this is, you know, they took a step backwards. That's the thing. You know, it's one thing if you get to the conference finals and lose again, but you didn't even get to the conference finals this year. So, um, but Milwaukee's going to have to spend at some point. And that's the thing is, you know, I hope for Milwaukee Bucks fans' sake that they do, because I, again, Giannis is the best player this franchise has had since Kareem, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you'd hate to see him get pushed out. And I'm not one of those people. I mean, Giannis is, cut from a different cloth, I think. He reminds me more of the Dame Lillard type who, you know, would try to make it work everywhere he could in, in one area before he, he moves on. Um, but, I, I mean, they, they are definitely on the clock a little bit. Like, if, if the team just continues to go in the wrong direction, I do think you have to be at risk of Giannis leaving. They, I think, but they're aware of that. Yeah, and and I and I agree. I, I think... I like to believe Giannis is kind of the kind of guy that will stay and, and hang out and, and make it work. But, you know, if if the team's not going to help you out, then then you can only do so much. So, well, right. um, taking it over to Heat Celtics, uh, Heat won last night in an overtime win, 117 to 114, uh, to take the first game of the uh, series. What is your thoughts 
And how much does it hurt that the 76ers helped create <laughs> both of these teams? This, this should be sponsored by the 76ers front office. This is like the mm. 76ers front office bowl of ineptitude. Um, and my thoughts initially are that Bam is a bad, bad man. Uh, that block on Tatum is crazy. That's yeah. that's an all-timer. I mean, it, Tatum was up. He was up. <laughs> and Bam was up. Like the, He the was up that Tatum was coming <laughs> with for him to block that. Like That is just absolutely crazy. My other thoughts are, are exactly what I felt in the playoffs last year. Is that Jimmy Butler is also a bad, bad man. And that he is just, he gets it done in the fourth quarter. Like, it's ugly. It's it's. I don't know, like, it's not the, you know, pretty aesthetic that the, you're used to having with the Warriors, for example. Like, the Warriors with Steph Curry would rip your heart out, but it would just look beautiful with all the ball with all the ball motion and the screens they'd be setting. It just, like, it looked like a constant, like, it, it was like music projected on a basketball court. We're like, Jimmy Butler, I feel like, is the equivalent of just throwing on, like, Slayer and just, like, bashing a drum against a wall. But it works. I mean, it clearly is mm-hmm. he's so so huge for them down the stretch. Goran Dragic as well just continues to be huge for the Heat. I think he had 29 points last night. Yep. Um, you know, this is going to be a – I mean, obviously we know what happened game one now. I thought this was a seven-game series. I actually have Boston winning this series um, as, as much as that sentence pains me to say. Um, I thought, you know, Boston's wings – I just thought Brown – and um, Tatum would just kind of provide a, a unique matchup opportunity um, for Boston. I think they'd be able to take advantage of that. But, I mean, give credit to Iguodala. Give credit to Jay Crowder. Like, they played really great defense last night. This team is bought in. Um, Tyler Harrow hit a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, both of these teams just remind me. They're, they're just so similar to me. Um, and the Celtics will get better in theory as well when Gordon Hayward comes back, too. That'll be huge on that wing matchup. Again, talking about the perimeter. But again, we, you know, we the theme of this episode is chemistry, and it all goes back to chemistry and playing hard and playing for each other, and that's just what you see with both of these teams when you see Marcus Smart flying around the perimeter, when you see you know, all, all the young guys that have stepped up for Miami, whether it's Kendrick Nunn or Duncan Robinson as well. Like, Just go on down the line. You know, this has the makings of a classic Eastern Conference Finals. Now, it looked like the Celtics ran out a little bit of gas last night, like Tatum was just missing shots down the stretch. Um but again, I, I think this is going to be a long grinded out series. Yeah, yeah, and I I I'm kind of happy it is the way it is. Obviously, I would like to see the Sixers there, but but Miami Boston, if you had to pick a, an exciting matchup, I think it would be this. I mean, this is going to be the one that I think it's I, I think it's going to go seven, and I think it could it's a coin flip in my in my opinion of who could be there. I know you said Boston. I'm not going against Jimmy Butler, man. I'm done doing that. So yeah. I'm kind I mean, of on I'm, the Heat side. I'm where you're at. It's a coin flip. Like, this could literally go. If, if Miami wins this series, I won't remotely be surprised. Yeah. And I genuinely think whoever wins this series has a much better shot than people are giving them to beat the Lakers or, or Denver. You know, I right. won't disrespect Denver again on this podcast. Uh, How but, crazy would it be if it's a, say it's like Heat Nuggets. <laughs> who saw that coming i mean it, it would be crazy because a no one saw it coming um it, it wouldn't be peak like nba apocalypse bowl which would be yeah. kind of what i'm rooting for because like here's the thing miami's been really successful recently and boston is one of the nba's historic but, franchises so the nba wins whoever comes out of the east 
you know, with with Denver, again, I, I think for me as a casual NBA fan and for respecting Denver as being around in this league for a long time too, I would love to see Denver in the finals. I'm trying to think, like, I mean, it, it would maybe be Milwaukee if Milwaukee was still in it, where or Indiana would be. Like, a Denver-Indiana finals would be hilarious for the NBA's sake. Like, I would, and I would love every second of it. Like, I genuinely am rooting for something like that to happen one day. But, oh, man, the, the, just the NBA marketing offices would be so funny. Yeah, they'd be like, man, what do we even do with this? But, like, I would say from the Heat side of it, I, I think people were kind of questioning Jimmy Butler going to the Heat because they didn't think, like, his whole thing was, I want to win, and we're like, okay, well, why'd you go to the Heat? They don't have another star, really. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and obviously, he's proven that very much wrong. And so... Well, he just I, developed. The Heat, the Heat yeah. were good last year. Like, they had good players. It's just also they, they got young guys. And, and, I mean, Bam taking the leap into a star is the biggest thing, obviously. Like, Bam is a star now with Jimmy, in my opinion. Um, but the, it's just, again, it's Tyler Hero, it's Kendrick Nunn, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's Duncan Robinson. It's guys that you just didn't expect to be, you know, real role players on a team like this. That you didn't have factored in like that. All, all guys they're going to use to trade and get Giannis. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. Or somebody. I mean, somebody like that, but yeah. But they, yeah, yeah, they definitely percent. could get Dwayne a Wade's star. already putting work for Bradley Beal, too, calling him the most underrated player in the NBA. Like, oh, yeah, no, they're up to something. Oladipo rumors are going around. Well, I mean, it's the NBA, man. <laughs> like, we know how this goes. It's going to change. Yeah, when you got Embiid tweeting, too. So, well, I don't know why Miami would want Embiid. Like, genuinely, you have Bam. Like, why would you want yeah. Joel? Is repetitive with Bam at that point. It would you'd give yourself an Al Horford Joel situation. It just doesn't really make sense. Like, and that's not. I mean, if you're going to move Bam, fine. But my question is just, why would you do that? Like, Bam has been a development success story for yeah. you, and he's why, on the cheap right it? now. Like, Embiid is expensive. Bam is not right now. So. That that to me makes. I mean, Joel can can try to team up with Jimmy and all them all he wants in Miami. It just doesn't really make sense for him to go there. If they're gonna trade, you know, if they're gonna swing for a superstar, yeah, go swing for Giannis, swing for Bradley Beal, swing for you know. I mean, who else do we think is gonna be available? That's the other question. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see. And I wonder what it'll be like if it's like a shortened, because it might be a shortened off season. How, uh, you know changes and trades and all that stuff is going well, to be teams handled. aren't going to spend money that's the other yeah. thing too is i think a lot of it's going to have to be done via trade because i think a lot of owners i mean yeah like everyone has taken a financial hit during the pandemic so i, I just i don't think we're going to see like extravagant contracts the way we have in the past at least not for non-max guys like i think the guarantee yeah. max guys sure but you know we're not it's not going to be the like freewheeling market of the nba we've seen in the past so i mean it will, there's a lot of things that I mean, realistically, we got to get through next year and then probably the season after is when we maybe have a chance of being like fully back to normal in terms of the cap, in terms of the schedule, in terms of the travel, in terms of just like what we had as an NBA season before coronavirus. Like this is, you know, at least until there's a vaccine. I mean, that's just the other reality. When there's a vaccine and if we get a vaccine that works, then I think it can, you know, I'm going out tomorrow if there's a vaccine. Like, if I have a vaccine in me and it works, I'm rolling. Like, I'm going back to normal life. Like, just because I preach wearing a mask and staying inside doesn't mean I enjoy this. Like, it sucks. I know. I had a, I have a lot of people that, you know, get on me uh, for going to the beach here in Florida. 
all the friends reach out and be like, man, can't stay inside, got to stay away. And I'm like, I'm, oh, you know, we're beach, social. Really? Dis- I'm like, we're socially distancing. But but the problem is, you know, up north, up in like Jersey, I mean, everyone sits on each other at the beach, essentially. It's different down here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I haven't been to the beach in Jersey in a while, too, to mm. see people sitting on each other. But no, I feel like like beaches and outdoor stuff, like hiking and you know, going to like parks and stuff golfing. like that. I, I feel like that's I've been doing some, that a yeah, lot. Golfing is another one. No, yeah. I, I mean, those are some of the like few things that I feel like aren't really that big of a deal. Like when I was going, like I've been to the beach in Florida basically every other weekend for the past three months and I've never once felt unsafe at all. Like Worried I just, about it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're just separate from people. Like, it's, I'm nowhere, you know, pre pandemic, I wasn't within six feet of people at the beach. Why am I going to be up, all up on somebody? At oh, the beach? believe me. Yeah. If you, if you sit too close at the beach, even pre pandemic, I'm like looking at yeah. you like, dude, you got this whole beach and you picked right in front of me. What are we yeah, like, doing? Get out of here. <laughs> the other thing, by the way, is um, I've played so much golf that I'm actually starting to shoot under 100 now. No, I know. I, I've I've said this for years, and and we're, we've reached the end of the podcast where we start talking about our personal lives. So be proud <laughs> of us, listeners. We didn't do it in the intro this time. Um, I mean, I've been saying like like Nicole's a PGA pro now, basically. Like I've been like you have no excuse to not be good at golf. If I still lived up there, I was going to get lessons from her because I still suck right now. I just can't drive. Like that's my problem. I can do. I'm I'm not bad with irons, and I can putt. I just I'm not good at driving golf balls. It. It definitely changes the game when you can drive yourself, you know, 200-ish yards out to the middle of the fairway or at least somewhere decently straight. Yeah. It changes the whole game because you're not you're not just trying to hit another really long ball again. You're actually starting to aim for the green at that point. So it's um it's been interesting. But yeah, played uh played on Sunday and shot a 97 for the first time. And I was kind of pumped about it. Yeah, my, my little brother works at a golf course. And I mean, he I don't think he's w- not stopped working ever. I think they closed yeah. for like three days when the state made them close. And I mean, this is up in Pennsylvania. It's not in Florida. But I mean, yeah, it's I mean, that's one of the again, that's one of the few things that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty still taking this seriously. And then that's one of the few things where it's like, no, golfing is definitely like social distance and acceptable like why would you it's outside like if you're outside i generally feel better i like i get people who out outdoor dine at this point i just don't think i'm there yet yeah well and and honestly anything the the pandemic has taught me is eating out going to bars doing that stuff it's so expensive oh yeah i've saved so much money in the pandemic um i say that i say that as my car is in the shop right now but you Uh, know good luck the lights on. You know how it goes. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Driving Dish NBA podcast. We appreciate you guys. Uh, I promise hot takes from Reddit hasn't died either. We've just had a lot to talk about, and so these episodes get kind of long. But Well, we'll and I feel like our, our warm-up stuff now kind of kind of like can incorporate hot takes a little bit too oh yeah a little bit we, we just may not steal them off reddit this time around but yeah. we'll, we'll get back to it at some point we're, we're still muy caliente we promise uh leave us a review on itunes good or bad or read them on the podcast non-apple users spotify google play store stitcher player fm spreaker anywhere you can find a podcast you can find us yep and thanks again to lineups for hosting us you can check them out lineups.com or check out their YouTube page, which has all of our video versions of the podcast. You go to lineups.com on YouTube. I think we've done enough dancing for today. So why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside. Okay, well, I'm out of here. Get it home. Hey!
If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.